ultimately, I think if you want to be operating in the space you want to be operating in, you know, several hundred thousand dollars plus a year, you need to be co-designing your projects with your clients. Because when you do that, right, you're a partner together with your client um, in the work that you're doing, right? They're not telling you what to do. You're not telling them what to do. And now, longtime freelance developer, founder of Freelance GPS, and recently launched the latest version of the Freelancer Jumpstart course. Please welcome Tim Netzel. Thank you for joining us, Tim. Thanks so much for having me. Oh yeah, I'm so excited. I, I can't wait for you to pick apart every little nitty detail of the things I'm doing wrong in my uh, freelance career. I don't know what you call it, but anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really excited. And just for people that might not have context, um, what is freelance GPS and who should use it or go check it out? Yeah, so freelancegps.com um, is a, is obviously a website, but it's, it's, it's uh, an effort I started a couple of years ago um, after I kind of started finding success in my own freelance career um, and wanted to help other developers, designers, and, and tech folks do the same. Um, so I've got a, a free course um, on, you know, how to build a successful kind of high growth freelancing business, kind of soup to nuts. Um, I also work one-on-one uh, -on -one with developers and designers who are either just starting out or um, are seasoned freelancers kind of looking to take their freelance business to the next level. So, you know, yeah. really, I'm, I'm kind of trying to help freelancers succeed because it's been, um, you know, such a fun journey, but also um, such a great step in my career. And I want to see more folks doing the same. Awesome. Yeah, that's really great to like to me it's really exciting to see people's trying to like give back and and help teach people in that way um i'm curious though like what what type of person is this actually for like the course and everything is this for you know somebody that doesn't know programming is it specific to programming is it like hey i i work at mcdonald's and i want to get into this is this for somebody that is running an agency and already has people working for them like what what do you feel it's most optimal for yeah so the course really focuses on kind of what i consider to be the kind of three sort of tent poles of a successful freelance career in tech right mm. just figuring yeah. out who your ideal clients are um developing a system for meeting them on an ongoing basis, right? Um, mm. The sort of marketing portion. Um, and then ultimately closing the sale and setting yourself up for success. Um, so it's really geared towards anybody in tech who either wants to freelance or kind of wants to take their freelance business to the next level. I've got kind of two tracks, um, you know, one for people who are a little bit newer to freelancing and one for people who are a little bit more seasoned. Um, but I'd say like the the sort of prerequisite requirements, if you will, um, are that you have some kind of a, a skill set in tech, right? Um, doesn't have to necessarily have to be really advanced if you're a developer, even just knowing like HTML and CSS could be enough. Um, yeah. You know, but, but you probably don't want to be either... Um, you know, fresh out of, out of school or, you know, not know either any programming or any design or any marketing, right? But if you can 
if you can do that or have been doing it professionally, um, you know, even as kind of a junior level person, you're in good shape, right? Um, there are clients out there for everybody and many of them um, just need basic skills um, that they quite frankly don't have. Um, and so the course helps you kind of figure out um, how do you find those clients who are a good fit for you, um, you know, and how do you land them? That sounds amazing. Like sign me up, right? <laughs> so I, I want to, do you have any like, um, like success stories you can talk about, like that you've experienced through your coaching and teaching in the course, like um, maybe something very specific, uh, you know, specific as you can be? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, everything I teach in the course was kind of based on um, what I learned sort of hard way through my freelancing career. Um, you know, I, I started, you know, freelancing at, at zero dollars um, and it built my business up to a 480k a year business. Um, you know, it's still just it's still just me. I don't have like a team. I haven't built an agency. In fact, I've kind of actively resisted doing that um, for a long yeah. time. Um, <laughs> But yeah, one of the um, the folks I've coached, a guy named Michael, um, had a really kind of interesting situation. Um, when I started working with him, he was a um, you know kind of a, a junior developer, sort of on the upper end of, of junior. Um, he knew he wanted to to start freelancing, um, but had never done it before. Didn't really feel like um, he had a huge network um, that he could tap into. Um, because, you know, he'd really only been at one kind of full-time dev job and he was still there and he didn't want to kind of tap that network and start saying, Hey, I'm freelancing for, um, reasons that I think a lot of people can relate to. Right. Um, and he had also just moved to a new city, um, and he didn't know anybody. Um, and, you know, in a matter of weeks of, of working together with him, he had landed his first client, um, you know, was, was making, you know, thousands of dollars from, from that and had a, an hourly rate of about 150 bucks an hour from that first client. Um, and, you know, was on track to, um, you know, really kind of control his own destiny. Um, and, you know, decide if he wanted to keep working full time, if he wanted to, um, and just freelance on the side, if he wanted to, you know, transition to a full-time freelance role, um, you know, shortly after that, he landed a, a retainer client, um, you know, that was several thousand dollars a month on an ongoing basis. Um, and, and he said to me, and this was honestly just extremely humbling, that, that working together, frankly, like changed his life um, because he was able to save substantially more money than, than he had been. Um, he, has, he has this goal of buying his parents' house. Um, and, and he said it was kind of the first time he'd ever felt on track for that. Um, That's awesome. That's so, so cool to hear. So yeah, those are the kinds of, of, of results you can, you can expect to see. It's, it's not at all uncommon. Um, most of the folks I work with one-on-one, um, you know, if they're, if they're brand new to freelancing, they end up landing their first client within kind of the first 30 to 90 days. Um, and, and get everything they sort of need to, to learn how to land, you know, $10,000 deals or multi-thousand dollar retainer agreements. Um, you know, so it's, I think it's, it's working, it's, it's exciting. And, um, you know, honestly, I just, I'm just thrilled to see the developers I've been coaching and working with have such success. Um, frankly, it's a hell of a lot of fun. 
Yeah. Oh, that sounds fun. That's such an encouraging story. I, I love that. Um, that's really cool. Uh, in in that case, I thought, you know, uh, and we did discuss this ahead of time, but we'd kind of, you know, sort of flip the script here a little bit. And uh, I thought I'd give you the opportunity to sort of demonstrate what you might do with um, people that come to you for coaching and, and the course and such. Um, so what what would be a, a good place to start? Like if if I come to you, where where would we begin? What would you ask me? Yeah, so um, I do a free kind of hour long strategy session for for anybody um, who wants um, to get just like a sense of like how do I progress my business and get a little bit of a roadmap. Um, and so I think what it makes sense is probably to to, to basically do that. And the first question I, I ask folks is just to tell me a little bit about where you are on your freelance journey. Yeah. All right. Well, I can do that. So. I started um, doing freelance at the end of 2019. Um, before that, I had worked either as a full-time software engineer employee type position, um, or in some cases, I worked on starting my own projects and my own company, and I sort of oscillated between those. Um, so I'd been doing that for uh, I don't know, 10 years or so. It depends on what you, you consider things to have started. But yeah, so I have like a lot of, and I've been programming for over 20 years now. So I have a lot of like deep technical knowledge and a lot of experience doing that. And I, the, the way it all started was I um, was working as an employee at a company and they went through a round of downsizing and I got laid off with a bunch of other people. And I was like, kind of like, you know, I wish I had more control over my own situation. And even if you're doing freelance, I knew you can get fired at any time. But I was like, at least maybe then I could, you know, maybe have more than one client at a time or something like that. You know, I was like, I just want to see if I can have more control over the situation and have more control over my working environment and, and these types of things. Um, and I had about one and a half months of runway. And I was like, I will, <laughs> I will just jump full in. And let's see if we can make this work. Um, and and at the time, I didn't know React, um, and I was like trying to figure out what do I actually freelance in, you know. And I decided, um, I, you know, I decided for the short term, focusing on a specific technology would probably be easier for me to get work. And I was looking for a you know, field that was like big enough that I could wouldn't have to spend a year trying to land some big client. And so anyways, I decided React probably made the most sense. And so I was like, OK, I have a month and a half to get clients, get some sort of income in some way and teach myself React. And I, I immediately put up a website saying I was an expert in React, not with the intention to actually mislead anyone, but I was like, eh, by the time I get anyone in the pipeline, I'll probably be an expert in React. <laughs> so I, I taught myself that. And actually, in the, during that process, I wrote a book on React and I was like, I really want to be good at this, you know? Um, and so I did that worked. I, I started getting clients. Um, I uh, anyways, so that that was sort of the start in my motivation for it. Um, and then since then, uh, I have been doing freelance work, um, mostly until the end of last year. So the end of 2022. Um, and 
since then, I basically, I haven't been doing as much. I've been doing some like one-off like consulting where people will pay me quite a bit more and I'll just like get on the phone for an hour and sort of coach them through things type of thing. Um, but recently I decided I wanted to get back into that. Like I really enjoy being on a team and like working through things and, and all of that. Um, but I also would like to do things different as well. <laughs> you know, there's always things I'd like to improve. Um, yeah, so I, I'll just tell you like, so um, I had, I haven't had a ton of clients. I've had maybe, I think five or six clients throughout these years. Um, most of them I end up working with for one to two years. Um, and it usually starts out, I'll, they'll like want me to do a little bit and then it turns into more and more, you know, and I'm basically working for him full time at some point, you know? And so I like, I think in 2022, my revenue was around like 200 K. Um, and that's okay. I think it, you know, relative to, you know, getting a full-time employment position, I could actually probably earn as much or more, you know, including benefits and stuff. So I feel like, you know, a direct thing I'd love to see improved is it's, I'm probably not charging as much as I should, you know, um, making that comparison. There's obviously more to it, but anyways, um, I don't know. Do you have more specific questions for me after that background? Got it. No, that's, that's a, a, a great start actually. Um, and I mean, I think it, it sounds like there's, there's two big motivations for you around, around freelancing, right? One of them is just that, like that control and that freedom. Um, you know, and I, and I hear that a ton. It's certainly one of the big reasons I was, uh, attracted to freelancing. Um, you know, I, I mentioned to you before we, before we started recording here that my wife and I spent, uh, a year kind of traveling, um, and doing the digital nomad thing and like. I definitely couldn't have done that if I, um, if I wasn't freelancing. And so, so that completely makes sense. And it sounds like the other, the other big motivation is earning more. Um, and which is, which is another reason, you know, I think a lot of people are attracted to freelancing, right? There's no artificial income cap. Um, yeah, yeah. Like there isn't a full-time job, but the challenge is that the income's not guaranteed. Um, yeah. so, so I think that's, I think that's great. The other thing I, I really kind of related to was, was just how you got, got started freelancing. Ironically, my freelance journey also started with a job search. Um, really? and I just, yeah. you know, I, I worked, um, you know, in, in dev and design, um, pretty much my whole career. Um, but at tech startups, which are obviously like pretty volatile. Um, and so I found <laughs> yeah. myself, um, you know, in the middle of a job search, um, in 2019 and I had done some freelancing on and off before then, but like, I just wasn't finding anything I was excited about. Um, and so, you know, I kind of, I kind of decided, Hey, like I'm going to make that, that jump. Um, but like, like you, I knew I had a very short amount of runway. I was, you know, um, saving for, for a wedding and for a house at the time. And like, I was like, I don't figure this out in a month or two. Um, you know, I'm going to have to go get a real job and it's going to be somewhere I'm, you know, I'm not psyched about given how the job search has been going. So, you know, I guess my, my question for you, um, based on everything you said was, um, you know, obviously you're, you're doing a lot right, right? Like if you're working with clients, you you know, if you're working, working with clients for, for one to two years, like you've got good retention, 
Um, you know, you're clearly like landing some, some retainer agreements and, and ongoing work. So that's awesome. Um, how are you finding clients today? That is, is definitely the biggest uh, question. <laughs> so I could tell you how I have found clients. So the first client I got, I just found by replying to somebody on Twitter. Um, I got an, another one, just somebody, I, I put up ads on Craigslist and I got the response there. Um, another one was I just put like kind of like an ad on, I think, Hacker News and somebody found it there. Um, so my, yeah, so my sort of general philosophy has been trying to put myself out there to have people find me, sort of self-select for me. Um, I will say I feel like something I've learned about myself over you know, the years starting projects. I mean, even this podcast, uh, I don't really probably do marketing as, as well as I could. Um, I think when I look at my freelancing in general, like you say, I have no, I don't really have a problem like necessarily closing a sale or, you know, keeping clients like everybody loves my work and they're like wow this is great i want you to do more right you know and but i i don't feel like i'm good at networking or marketing um and maybe i'm wrong but <laughs> that's that's how it feels to me so yeah that's that's how i get clients is has Got just it. been that Got those it. Types okay of awesome um no that's that's really helpful um usually when i talk to developers um in particular but but freelancers in general um, whether they're new to the game or, or they've been freelancing for a while like you have, um, they've got at least one, if not all, of the following three challenges, right? Um, number one, their yeah. positioning isn't quite right. Um, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. Number two, um, their marketing's not right um, or they're not doing enough of it or both. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and number three, they've got some, some, some sales challenges. That doesn't necessarily mean that they can't close sales. Um, yeah. But maybe they're not closing them at high enough rates. Maybe they're not setting themselves up for success in, in various ways with their clients by setting like really good expectations. Um, so, so yeah, I think let's, let's dive into to kind of each of those. Um, okay. And I know, I know you mentioned, and I also cheated a little bit because I looked at your website ahead of time, but like, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, I, I know that you mentioned that, that you have kind of positioned yourself as a react expert. Um, and I'm, I'm curious, like how, how that you feel like that positioning is working for you. Yeah. So that's a, that's actually a big thing I wanted to talk about because when I got into this, I evaluated, um, I, I sort of tried to analyze what would be the best way to position myself. And when I was like, okay, I need to get work quickly. That seemed like the way to do it. But that's not really actually what I wanted to do long term, and it's not really the positioning I want to have now. Um, gotcha. And so, I I've experimented with like ads and, and different things um, in other sort of formats, not focused so much on being a React expert, and I have not had really much success with that. So that's kind of the the place I'm at. Is it feels very easy for me to market myself as an expert in React. Um, and I guess the other interesting part is what I've found is 
a lot of the clients I've had, I don't actually end up doing much React work for them. Mm. But they that's sort of the connection that we make. And so I'm unsure exactly what what that means because it's clear to me that it can lead to more of the work that I actually want, which is I, I really love um, helping people, like helping solve business problems. And so like a lot of times when I get in at companies, it's like they bring me on as a React developer. And like one case, I, I was working for this company, they brought me in. And within like a few weeks, I was like, so I don't actually think React is really your big problem here. You have a problem around not knowing who your customers are and how they're getting here. And so I helped them set up Google Analytics and like walked them through that kind of thing. And I find I often end up doing that like shortly. Like they bring me in for React, then I end up doing these other things. But what I worry is that the rates that I'm sort of bringing into these are more based on the sort of React specific side of things, which I think is probably, my guess is lower than if I was brought in to solve the actual business problems. I don't know. Does that make sense? Got it. It, it absolutely does. And it's, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you, that you shared that, that bit about solving business problems, because I think it's, it's one of the keys to success. Um, and, and I think you're, again, a, a little bit ahead of the game compared to, to most folks and that you kind of, you understand that implicitly. Um, but mm. you know, what, what I've seen ultimately is that the freelancers who have the most success are the ones who have the best clients, right? And client mm. client quality um, is directly proportional to your success, right? And so if you look at, at freelancers who are really yeah. struggling, right, who are making, you know, 20 or 30K a year, right? Um, their client quality is like, you know, in the dumps, right? You look, you look at um, freelancers like you who are, you know, hitting that 200 mark, um, client quality is, is high, but it's not like extremely high, right? It's not yeah, best in class. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think the important thing to ask then is what does an ideal client look like, right? Um, and how do you then match your positioning to what those people um, or, or companies need, right? Um, and I think ideal clients have a couple of things in common. Um, number one, they can afford to pay premium rates. Um, not only that, they prefer to pay premium rates because they want to yeah. pay for um, quality. Um, number two, they are small enough that they're easy to sell into um, because as freelancers, we don't have months or years to spend, you know, chasing like big enterprise deals. Yeah. Um, and number three, they are um, sophisticated enough that they can ask smart questions, give good feedback, and kind of understand the norms of um, you know the web and and projects around the web, right? So if, even if your main point of contact is um, you know say somebody in marketing or sales at your client, right? They you don't have to hold their hand through things like why you know building for mobile is important, right? When you're building a website, right? Like they get those things implicitly. Um, They've done a little bit of that work, right? And the combination of of all of those aspects means clients who you know pay really well, who are fun to work with because you're, you're not doing a lot of hand holding, who are you know not constantly changing the scope last minute. Um, you know, who <laughs> what, what are you, you talking about? I've never heard of that before. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, who respect you and 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 your time. 
um, and who even refer business your way, right? If you have clients like that, um, life as a freelancer is, is fantastic, right? You get to work when you want, where you want, how you want, um, on interesting projects with interesting people, right? But if, if those elements are missing in, in some or all of your clients, right, freelancing starts to become a grind. Um, and so I think the number one thing you can do as a, as a freelancer is make sure that you are going after and attracting those types of clients. Um, yeah. and, and how do I, how do I do that? I think, yeah. and not to like, I, I guess if you want to finish your thought, but like, that's exactly my thoughts as well, but it's more like, like, so in, in react and, and that type of thing, it's very clear to me how to go about that, you know, like. I kind of know what that world's like and where people looking, you know, in that, in that situation, I'm imagining it's, you know, sort of a hiring manager, middle manager, somebody like that who knows technology a little bit, maybe they manage a team. And so I know where those people might hang out. Right. But if I'm looking to solve, say some generic business problem, whatever, if I'm positioning myself that way, it seems a lot more difficult for me to wrap my head around where do those people hang out? How do right. I connect to them? Right. Well, and so, so I think first, before we, before we talk about where they hang out, which I think is a hugely important question um, that kind of falls under the, the marketing arm. Yeah. Um, you know, let's talk about who those clients are. Um, yeah. And, and there are a bunch of, of potential clients who could check all those boxes. Um, mm -hmm. But I find it, it's helpful to sort of identify clients who more often than not do like the group who almost always check those boxes. Um, okay. And, and for me, um, and I'm, I'm actually working, you know, towards a similar set of, of clients um, with what I do. Um, I found that tech startups and e-commerce companies between about five and 50 employees um, almost always check those boxes. Um, and the reason is that um, because of the type of work they do, right? Tech, tech startups and e-commerce companies, right? They're, they're internet first companies or tech first companies, which means like they live and breathe technology, even the like marketing and sales and customer success people like yeah. get it in a way that, that many other companies wouldn't um, because they're, you know, pretty small. They're easy to sell into. They move fast. There's not like all of this, like, um, you know, red tape and, and, um, you know, organizational overhead that you would get in a very large company. Um, but they're big enough because they're, you know, five plus employees that either they've got, um, you know, their cash flow positive or they've got funding from somewhere, um, which is a great indication that they can afford to pay premium rates. Um, they're also tech companies, so they value what you do um, mm -hmm. more than non-tech companies would. Um, yeah. so, so, you know, I'd say like those types of companies would be a really good target for you and, and probably for most of the folks listening, um, here today. Um, and so like, that's the first thing is, is to say like, all right, I'm going to go after companies who are going to more often than not check these boxes. Right. Yeah. I'm also going to position myself in a way, um, that attracts the ones who almost always check these boxes. Right. And so I think that the positioning piece of this um, is to describe yourself and market yourself in a way that appeals to the, the types of clients who check all those boxes and also have the work that you want to do. Right. Um, and, and I think it's something along the lines of like, you know, you know, I, Thomas, um, am 
a developer, right? But unlike, you know, any old developer, um, you know, I solve, I solve business problems, right? I help companies increase revenue, decrease costs. Um, you know, if they're a startup, get, get traction so they can raise their next round of funding, right? Yeah. Code is just the, the medium by which yeah. I do that. Um, and, and to start to have some examples and, and stories you can tell around times that you don't have. Um, and, and for the, for the folks who are listening, who are, who are kind of brand new and are like, well, well, shit, I don't have any stories like that. That's okay. Right. I, I recommend that you start with like a target of what your long-term positioning is going to be, um, and work, work your way there. Right. So you don't have to start off perfectly. You don't have to start off with, um, you know, a million years of experience and like 80 testimonials, right. Nobody starts that way. Right. But keep in mind what you're what you're driving towards, which is like, OK, like I, I want to be able to say like, oh, yeah, when I worked with Acme, I, you know, I helped them increase their conversion rate, um, you know, from one to 10 percent to two percent. Right. Which is like, you know, doubled their revenue on an ongoing basis. Right. That kind of thing um, attracts the types of companies you're trying to go after. Um, that makes and sense. Obviously, I- well, I was going to say, actually, I that's actually how I kind of started. But what I did was I I did sort of case studies on my own work. And so I was like, I'll put the like, you know, I wasn't like trying to hide the fact that it was my own work. But I was like, why can't I take this React application I made and demonstrate how I increased, you know, performance or conversion or whatever I was trying to do? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Um, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with, with demo projects. Um, you know, and I think like showing that you can get a business result with a demo project, right, um, makes makes it much more compelling. Um, yeah. There's also nothing wrong with taking full-time experiences and using them as examples. Um, I think mm. a lot of new freelancers feel like, that's well, a great idea. Do, do all of it myself. I can't like use it as, as an example. That's not true, right? Like even yeah. even as a freelancer, you're not going to do everything yourself, right? You're still working with a team, right? Yeah. The question is like, okay, like you you were working with a company either full time or as a freelancer. What was the business problem, right? You know, increased revenue, decreased costs, you know, whatever it was. How did you contribute? Um, and then what was the result? If you can tell that story succinctly, right? Um, you're going to appeal to the right types of companies. Oh. Yeah, that makes sense. So I I have been most of my clients have been what it sounds like you were describing as like sort of the ideal client. So most of them have been I wouldn't say like early early stage tech startups, but you know, sort of middle early to middle, you know. Um that that's actually most of the work I have been doing. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, and I think I think, you know, the the nice thing about that, right, is like um, it's on a spectrum, right? Like, you know, from, from like horrible clients that you actively want to repel to like your dream clients. Right. Um, and so I think the question is like, how do you get further along the spectrum? Yeah. yeah. And those are going to tend to be clients who are, you know, more data driven, right? Like they're actively, you know, tracking Mm. analytics, that kind of thing, um, who have a clear business problem, right. Who are like, yeah, like we want to increase revenue or we need to decrease this cost, or we need to improve site speed. Um, you know, that kind of thing um, is, is a big indicator. And, and so like, it sounds like you're targeting the right people. 
Um, I think part of it is is potentially doing a better job attracting those people. And part of it's going to be in the sales process, which which we'll get to a little bit later. Um, you know, of how you make sure they're the right people and also how you set expectations um, to train kind of clients who would otherwise be good clients um, to become great clients. Um, because that yeah. is something that you can kind of do uh, both in the sales process and while you're working is just set the right set of expectations so that clients behave in a way that's going to be really good for your business. Um, and I think a lot of times we think about how we need to behave as freelancers in order to like keep our clients happy. And that's, that's hugely important. Um, but you also want to behave in a way that trains them um, to, to work in a way with you um, where you succeed. Um, yeah, so we'll yeah. talk about that more in a minute. I, um, but I think Do you mind like, if I, I like tell a little story about that? Yeah, sort absolutely. Of client side? So I, um, I, I thought about this when I was starting and I thought about like, how do I, like, I don't want to, I, I don't want to deal with the clients that are like basically trying to nickel and dime you out of everything and, you know, trying to get the lowest price and don't actually care that much about the work you're doing type of thing. And so I tried hard with like my ads to make it seem like that's not what I'm looking for, but like I had this one person locally and they're like, hey, yeah, you know, we can meet up and I can I can show you things. And and I went and they're showing me their work and what they wanted me to do. And on some level, it sounded great. Basically, they wanted me to some some developer had been working on it and they stopped and they needed me to basically do it. Right. Like, I'm like, OK, sure. That's no problem. Right. Um, but the more I got into it, the more it was like, wow, this sounds really bad. Like just a lot of little things like um, they just kept wanting to call me on the phone and I, I would be like, well, we can, we can do that. But like, I got to be paid for this, you know? And they started put like, started being like, well, not until we've signed something. And I was like, okay, let's sign something, you know, <laughs> like, and they wouldn't do that. Then I was like, well, give me a price. Tell me how much you could do this for. I'm like, well, I need more information. Like I, I could give you a price. It'll just be really high because I don't know what I'm getting into. Like if I want real information, like you got to give me some, can I like see what the state of the code is or whatever? And they were like, Oh, you got to sign an NDA and all this and whatever. So I ended up like just convincing them to let me look at the code. And it was absolutely horrible. And I was like, this is useless code. I can't use this. I would have to just write it. Like that's just the reality of it. It'll be cheaper to do it that way. Anyways, I could go on, but Basically, I was like, I, I finally was like, I don't think this is going to work. Like, there are too many things where I feel like you're trying to um, dictate how I'm going to do my own work. And so I think to me, that was like a maybe a learning experience. Where it was like, I need to be really forward about telling people, hey, this is how I work. I don't know if that's the right solution, but that was the approach I, t I took. Yeah, I, th I think it absolutely is. Um, and we'll we'll get into this in, in more detail when we talk about kind of the sales process. Um, but ultimately, I think if you're if you want to be operating in the space you want to be operating in, right, which is, you know, several hundred thousand dollars plus a year, right, um, then like, you need to be co designing your projects with your clients. Right. Yeah. Um, and that honestly is something I would recommend for every single freelancer, regardless of their um, financial goals, because when you do that, right, you're a partner together with your client 
um, in the work that you're doing, right? They're not telling you what to do. You're not telling them what to do. Um, yeah. And so we'll, we'll talk about how to sort of set the stage for that when we talk about, you know, the sales process. Um, but when you do that, right, it's much easier um, to, you know, like actually do the type of work that you want to do um, and get paid well to do it, um, you know, without like, you know, constantly being nickel and dimed. And during the sales process, you can also establish pretty clearly um, and, and relatively quickly whether or not the client is willing to behave that way. Um, yeah. Which is, and so it's, it's a way to also weed out the, the clients who are going to, you know, make you pull your hair out, um, yeah. you know, and, and actively attract the clients who actually want to collaborate. Um, yeah. So, so we'll talk sense. about that. Um, but I, I'd love to, if it's okay with you, I'd love to kind of get into um, the, the marketing piece of this and how you actually go find clients like the ones we've, we've been talking about. Yeah. Okay. Um. Um, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I guess you have more specific questions because basically I've told you my marketing. I put up little yeah. ads here and there and point them to my website and that's about it. Yeah. Um, so I, I think at this stage, I don't have um, more questions for you on your marketing. And I, what I'd love to do is give you a little bit of just kind of like freelance marketing 101, if you will. Yeah. Um, and I think like the reality is when you're marketing anything, um, whether it's freelancing or something else, um, it's helpful to look at any sort of marketing channel or method of finding clients or customers um, on kind of two spectrums, right? One of them is, um, you know, how crowded is the channel, right? Um, are there tons of people, um, you know, or organizations using the channel to compete for um, your client's attention? Um, or is it relatively uncrowded? Right. If you look at a lot of the channels that folks tend to recommend um, for freelancers, right, they tend to be very, very crowded. Right. Um, sites like Upwork, for example. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anybody can join Upwork, which means everybody does. Um, you know, that means the average project gets like 50 plus proposals. Um, you know, that drives your, your chances of closing that customer way, way down, right? It, it drives the average, you know, hourly rate way down. The average hourly rate for a web development project in, um, on Upwork is just $20 an hour, right? Um, which is not, um, what? you know, That's... a recipe for, for a, oh. you know, a high value freelance business, obviously. Um, but you can also look at that, um, you know, for paid ads, right? Obviously a very competitive channel, social media, blogging, right? Um, when you engage in any of those channels, you are essentially competing with every other marketer out there on the internet. Um, you know, not just freelancers, but like, you know, right, Pepsi yeah. and, and, and McDonald's um, and, and whoever else for your client's attention. Right. And so it becomes really, really challenging to cut through the noise. And I don't want to say like these channels don't work, um, but it's a question of how effective and how efficient they are. Um, you know, a, another um, spectrum that you should should think about when you're about evaluating ways to, to market yourself um, is how much time, money and effort it takes to use that channel, um, both up front and on an ongoing basis. Um, so, you know, Upwork, for example, right, the so-called expert advice by a lot of the like, um, you know, sort of freelance boot camps out there is that if you're actively looking for work, you need to be submitting between 25 and 50 proposals a week. Um, Are you kidding know, me? 
Yeah, and, 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 you know, the math does, in their defense, make sense, given that there are, oh, you know, 50 wow. plus proposals um, for every given project, right? But like, I don't know anybody who could do that number of proposals um, without spending like 25 plus hours a week doing them, right? And have them be in yeah. quality, right? Which that means, sounds you know, miserable. Like, if yeah, I'm being honest, it, like it is. it's absolutely miserable at a bare minimum. That means a ton of work. Um, you know, to get any one client. And as we just discussed, the clients hanging out on Upwork probably aren't the, the highest quality either, right? Um, I imagine being, they're there for to be cheap too, right? Like that, Right, right. They tend to be very cost conscious. Um, yeah. You know, they're not the types of clients that we were just talking about for the most part. Um, and it also means that if, if you choose that as your marketing channel, right, you are going to have huge peaks and valleys in your business because it's so time consuming that you can't do it while you're actively working with, you know, more than one client. Right. Um, And so, and so that's really challenging, right. Um, You know, social media and blogging as another example, right. They take a ton of time up front to start to get traction. Um, And they, they also take a ton of effort on an ongoing basis. Right. Um, And so to do them well, um, you have to spend, you know, 10, 20, 30 hours a week, um, you know, really doing it. You might have to wait six months unless you've already got like a huge following of the right people, um, yeah. you know, to do that. So that's a challenge. Um, and so like the question then becomes like, what is that marketing channel? That's kind of like, if you think about, about this is like, um, an X, Y grid, right? Like what's that marketing channel that's up in that you know, right-hand corner, um, where it is, um, relatively uncrowded, um, and it doesn't take that much time, money, and effort, um, to use and to do, right? So that you can do it, um, from day one, start to get success quickly, but also continue to do it while you're actively working with your clients, um, so that you don't have, you know, huge issues. Um, yeah. and, and what I have found after a lot of trial and error, I, I tried every single one of those channels <laughs> that I just mentioned, um, wow. you know, I, I can't yeah. buy these, these lessons the hard way. Um, what I found is one-on-one conversations are far and away more efficient. They're also just easier, right? You don't have to be an expert to have a, you know, in marketing to have a one-on-one yeah. conversation, right? Even um, developers who are pretty introverted, like I am, you know, can do that, right? We all we all talk to people, um, and so the question then becomes like, how how do you meet your clients? Where are they hanging out, um, both on online in the real world, um, and who already knows them who could potentially introduce you, right? Um, and so I find it, it's helpful to look at sort of the hubs in your local area. Um, and the hubs online, right? So those might be like co-working spaces, um, startup accelerators, industry groups, um, and, and industry meetups. Those are really, really helpful spaces. Okay. Um, and particularly those that are sort of complementary um, to what you do rather than exactly what you do, right? So for mm-hmm. developers, right, um, like the complementary fields are design and marketing, right? Um and so if you're the only developer um, who shows up to a, a marketing meetup, right, 
you're going to stand out a little bit. Um, and you're also going to meet a bunch of people who could potentially. I, you I love that. That's have, brilliant. That's brilliant. Have work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I, and, and I think that's the other question, right? Who could introduce you? And like, um, yeah. one of the best sources, um, for introduction, introductions are other freelancers who are in those complementary fields, right? Freelance designers and freelance marketers, um, if you're a developer, Mm. are fantastic Mm. because they already know your ideal clients. They're already working with them. They don't compete with you. Um, So, you know, they're not going to see you as as a threat. And they're also the first people that your clients turn to anytime they're looking for a developer like you, right? So building relationships with them is huge hugely effective um that and that makes a lot of sense yeah do do you mind if i like yeah yeah, talk a little bit more about that because like so i kind of had the same thought what that was like i need to go somewhere that these people are and so i would go to like co-working spaces and things like that and i would go to like events that they had and things like that but i think the difference is i went to things that might appeal more to engineers. And what I found was that, and why I basically stopped doing it, is I found that it was a bunch of other people, kind of like me, trying to get work. (laughs) And all you do is end up talking to people that just like, I'm like, man, all you're doing is telling me about your whatever project, whatever, and it's not, like you're just trying to do the same thing. I'm not, I don't feel like I stand out in any way. I'm just, how's this going to lead to any work? And so my conclusion was, oh, I shouldn't go to those things. I shouldn't do those things. But it sounds like what you're saying is I might've had the right general idea, but the way I was approaching it and what I was going for was the wrong sort of side of it. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. And like, I'll give you an example. Um, I am a member of a, of a local marketing Slack group. Um, and I'd say at least once a month, but probably, you know, more like every every week or two, um, somebody in the group will say, like, hey, does anybody know um, a good developer? Um, mm. I'm literally, best I can tell, the only developer in the group, right? So I just have to raise my hand um, and, yeah. the nice thing, and, and say, hey, I do this, let's talk. The nice thing is, like, I also have folks I've worked with um, in the past in that group. So oftentimes somebody will do it for me and I don't even have to raise my hand. Oh yeah. They'll be like, Oh yeah, I know the one guy here that he can, he can take care of it for you. Exactly. (laughs) And so I think that's, that's the nice thing. Now, obviously you got to know how to engage people. Right. And that's another piece of this, like how you have conversations. Um, And so like, I I recommend like if you're, if you're new, um, you know, either a newer developer, like you're more junior or you're, or you're new to freelancing, right. Ask for advice, right. And ask for feedback and say like, Mm. you know, Hey, like I'm a developer who's interested in design or who's interested in marketing. Um, you know, I want to, and I'm, I want to pick your brain a little bit. Would you be willing to chat for 10 minutes? Like people love to be helpful. Um, as long as you're being authentic, like most people will say yes. Um, and then just yeah. ask them about, you know, what their experiences have been with with freelancers in the past, right? Like what's gone well, what has gone poorly, that mm. kind of thing. Um, first of all, it's it's really disarming um, in a way that being like, hey, do you have a gig for me? Isn't. Um, but also you're going to get some hugely valuable information. 
Um, yeah. The other nice thing about it is that you do not have to sell, right? If they have a gig that you might be a good fit for, they'll just raise their hand and volunteer that information. Yeah, um, yeah. And exactly. say, like, hey, we should talk. I actually I have this thing. I've been looking for a developer to help, right? Um, if yeah. not, you can ask them if they know anybody else who'd be you know, willing to give some advice and just keep having conversations until you find, you know, the, your next project. Right. Um, and the nice thing that I found about that is like usually in about, you know, somewhere between five and 15 conversations, um, you found your next gig. Um, and so it's extremely efficient to do, um, you know, the kind of thing where Mm. you can spend, you know, three to five hours a week once you've kind of learned the process, um, and you know, in a couple of weeks, you'll have a new client. Um, and so you compare that to right, like that 25 hours plus you have to spend, um, you know, yeah. on work, or, you know, the hours and hours of like creating content that you're not really all that interested in anyways, right. That you gotta do, <laughs> yes. um, you know, if you're, if you're trying to use blogging or social media for, um, you know, for a game, it's, it's way more efficient. Um, and it's also the kind of thing that like, you know, developers most of whom i think are probably introverts can do right like you don't have to like go to these networking events and like try to work the room and do the like used car salesman thing right yeah yeah you just you talk to people you pick their brain a little bit um you know and and you ask you know you ask for introductions right um you know that's that's all you have to do and there's obviously like a whole bunch of nuance on how you have those conversations and that kind of thing and i get into more of that in my course and um, you know, in, in my coaching. Um, but that's the overall strategy. Um, and I found it just so much more efficient. It's also more fun. Um, and it gets more effective the more you do it because you get more and more relationships and people who are like, oh yeah, like, you know, I have to, um, you know, talk to Thomas when I have this type of problem. He's fantastic. Right. Um, and, and people know about you. And so if someone says, Hey, do you know a developer? Right. They think of you. Um, yeah. And so like, it's kind of a flywheel where you get more, you know, more and more momentum behind your freelance business the more you do it. That makes sense. So essentially, find channels that are not so crowded with other people like yourself. And just sounds like just kind of be a nice, respectful human being and listen to people and make sure they know, I guess, that you can do something. Is that sound right? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Um, the the one piece that I would sort of add to that um, mm-hmm. is this is not like a, um, you know, sort of lackadaisical, um, like if you build it, they will come kind of strategy, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's methodical, right? And so, yeah, it's like it's, it's relationship building. It's, you know, some people might call it networking, although I honestly I hate that word. Um, yeah, I think it implies something that's just not present in here, which is that. Yeah, I agree. Thing, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but it's still methodical, right? You're you're putting in your time. And I think that's the one of the things that's true of marketing in general, right? Is you have to know what your kind of minimum input is in order to get a result, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you, you know, if you put in, you know, only a fraction of the effort that you need to um, in any marketing channel, right, you're not going to have success. Right. And, you know, with, with ads, that tends to be thousands and thousands of dollars. Right. Um, right. You know, with 
um, with Upwork, right? It's that, you know, 25 to 50 proposals a week, right? With this, it's, it's you know, three to five hours of conversations a, a week, right? Um, and so that might mean showing up to a networking event at a co-working space. That might mean, you know, actively reaching out to um, complimentary freelancers on LinkedIn and, and building relationships. It might mean, you know, signing up for them and, you know, checking your local Slack groups. Um, put in the time and the effort. Um, just do it in a respectful way. Um, yeah. You know, don't don't spam people um, just because it's, you know, the physical world, right? Like, yeah. you wouldn't, like, send a cold email to a random person being like, hey, hire me, um, which most, most of us won't do because, uh, you know, developers, we hate that kind of thing, yes. hey, and yes. we know it doesn't work. <laughs> Um, yeah. you know, then don't do that in the real world either. Right. right. Um, you know, build genuine relationships and, and the easiest ways I've found to do that are, you know, either ask for advice, um, or contribute value. Right. And that's another thing that you can do. Right. That it's, makes sense. Um, yeah. You know, like host a, host a, a workshop or, or be the guest speaker at a meetup or whatever, um, in one of those complimentary spaces. Right. So like, you know, mm. teach teach the basics about web development for designers or the basics about web development for marketers to one of those groups, that kind of thing. Um, and there's all sorts of topics um, that you can come up with if you, if you think creatively about it. Um, yeah, so... But, you know, ask for advice or, or contribute value. Um, and if you do that and you do it methodically, you will succeed at this. That makes sense. So are you, are you saying I should not um, focus on building this uh, AI bot to cold email all of the companies in a directory that I happen to hack my way into. And <laughs> I just say this because I feel like when I've talked to a lot of people, a lot of engineers getting into to freelance, the mentality I often see is using our engineering skills to engineer a way to get clients. Yeah, I, you know, I would, I would say you're exactly right. Um, I see, I see a lot of that. Um, and what I really would encourage you to do, um, is just own your marketing and your sales process, right? Don't, okay. don't outsource it to a third party organization like the Upworks of the world. Um, and don't just try to automate it. Um, I think once you've done <laughs> it and had yeah. success, Right. Yeah. And you can think about how to be more efficient with it. Um, and there's all sorts of stuff you can do there. Some of it around automation, some of it not. But like um, mm. you don't want to be really efficient at, at failure. Right. And so like until you figure out what the right thing is to do and how to do it correctly, um, you know, there's no point in automating it. And I think that's that's a place where a lot of startups fail, quite frankly, right? Is they don't get product market fit before they try to do the thing yes. that they're doing really fast. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, so it's not a place you as a freelancer, you know, want to slip up either. Um, so so that's, that's what I'd say. That makes 100% sense. And like, I think that goes back to what you're saying about also about being in the right channel where you're not the one developer among a thousand, you know, like I feel like a lot of those approaches, you're the one of a thousand of whatever it happens to be. Um, and I think that, yeah, so that makes sense. I think my hang up, like if we're going to get specific here is my, what I've noticed my tendency is I land a, a client, a couple of clients, and then I stop. 
doing all those things. Um, and the truth is, I just don't, I really don't enjoy it, <laughs> you know? Like, it's it's this thing where I love meeting people and I love talking to people, but I feel demotivated when it seems like I'm doing it for business reasons or whatever. And so I just basically drop out of those things. Like get my clients I'm like, OK, I'm making money. And it's like in the back of my head, I'm like, no, I know from experience I should keep doing these things, but I don't. Do you have any I don't know. Have you experienced that or do you just like love it? You're just like, oh, yeah, I just want to do this all the time. And <laughs> No, I, I, I definitely have. Um, and I think that there's there's a couple of, of solutions to that. Right. One of them is like um, just how you sort of structure your projects or your re retainers. Right. Um, uh -huh. If you've got like a fixed project. Right. You're going to know when it's ending. Right. Yeah. Um, and so you've got plenty of notice in that case. Um, that you need to start doing this again, right? When you're when you're looking for more work, um, if you have retainer agreements, I typically build in a notice period. Um, you know, minimum is is typically thirty days for for much bigger work that takes up a higher percentage of my time. It might be sixty or ninety days. Um, yeah. So again, like I've got notice of when I need to start doing this, um, and and. And so, like, that's kind of a nice thing, right? Like, when you're first starting out, I recommend doing it repeatedly, um, you know, on an ongoing basis. A, because you need to get those those clients. You want to keep getting more clients if you want to grow your business. Um, but B, because it's good to kind of put in the reps just like you would in, you know, weight training or, or whatever yeah. else. Um, so, you, so that you start to get good at it and develop your, your muscles, um, you know, your marketing and, and conversational muscles, right? Um, but I think, so that, that I think is one piece of it is like knowing when you need to start doing it and making sure that you have enough notice that you're not surprised. Right. Um, I think another piece of it, um, is really just how you do these things. Right. Okay. Um, and, and what your ultimate approach is. And I think if, if ultimately your approach is like, um, one where you're not trying to do the schmoozy thing and like, feel like you you have yeah. to sell every single person right regardless of whether right. they're a good fit um a lot of that sort of demotivation um goes away um at least it has yeah. for me um because you're literally just like you're having conversations you're getting feedback you're providing value um you know but you're doing it in a human way right you're not doing it in like a okay i've got my like you know sales hat yeah. on and now i'm gonna i'm gonna schmooze way right so it's more fun um, yeah, and so that, that sounds that a lot is, more fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that I think is helpful. Um, I think ultimately, like uh, you know, anything that comes to to business is is going to be work to some extent, and so part of it is you know is yeah. sort of like having the the emotional maturity to make sure that you do put in the effort. Um, I found that when I need to to do this type of of outreach and sort of you know marketing type work. Um, splitting it up into small manageable chunks and saying like, okay, I'm going to do, you know, a half hour or an hour a day rather than like five hours all at once, um, make, makes it substantially easier. Right. Um, and, and you start to build momentum as your, as your week goes on rather than like, you know, putting it off as this big chunk of work that you have to do. Um, so like that I think is, is really, really helpful as well. So what, what you're, saying makes sense um 
And one thing, though, that caught my attention was you mentioned having like knowledge of when projects are ending. And I feel like that would be super useful, but I don't feel like I've ever ended up in that situation. And maybe this is a transition to, to talking about some other topics. But like my experience has been, you know, people are like, hey, can you come in for two days or a week to, you know, do this, train us on React or, you know, solve this problem for us. Right. And I would go and do that. And then it always turns into just a sort of perpetual thing. Will you just like continue doing development for us, essentially? Um, I've never been in the situation where there was ever a clear ending. Um, and I don't know if that's like part of the way I'm doing the sales or the marketing or the positioning, but that actually sounds appealing to me. And I don't know if that is actually desirable, but but that sounds good. I don't know if you, have, you can speak more to that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think this this gets into um, in, into two, I think, really important parts of this whole process, right? Which is the sales process and kind of the project design. Um, yeah. We talked, we talked earlier um, a little bit about kind of co-designing the project, right? Um, but when I get on like a, a sales call with a client, right? Um, you know, I think like most people, like I usually know a little bit about the project, right? Like whatever's been said over email, but but not much yeah. more than that, right? Um, and I think the first question is like, um, you know, okay, like I know, you know, you want a website redesign and relaunch or whatever, like um, obviously like we're going to get into the details and talk about scope. But before we do that, tell me about your business goal, right? Why do this project now? Why is it important to the business? Um, and what you're looking for is like a clear business goal or set of business goals, right? Like, are they trying to increase revenue because their website's not converting? Are they trying to decrease costs because, you know, it's a, a ton of effort for the marketing team to maintain the website. And so they're spending all sorts of, of hours and, and therefore money that they could be spending, you know, more profitably somewhere else. Um, you know, are they a tech startup and they need, you know, improved traction? Do they need to improve their site speed? Like, what is it? Right. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, once you know what those problems are, you want to start to quantify um, the impact, right? So like, let's say it's, you know, they want to improve conversion rates on their website and, you know, get more customers or visitors to become customers, right? Then it's like, okay, well, what's their conversion rate now? How much um, are they making per month? And like, I'll use, you know, really um, obvious numbers just to make the math easy. Let's say they're at 1% um, conversion rate, which is very, very common. Right, and they're making a million dollars a month. Right, you know, right then and there, like the value you would generate if you could get them to that average conversion rate of two percent, right, would be an incremental million dollars a month in perpetuity. Right, Right. Um, and so the reason you do this is twofold. Number one, you want to understand how much value the work you're you're doing is going to provide. Um, but you also want to start to set that tone that you're not just a developer, right? Um, you are a partner in this that, that is focused on helping them hit their business goals. Um, and, you know, that I think is the, is the sort of first key to starting a code, co-design a project is to establish yourself as a partner who's going to come with um, suggestions, right? Not just... Um, you know, take their list of, of, you know, um, to do's from their scope and just do them. Right. 
Um, and so, so that I find is, is hugely helpful. Then you start to get into the scope, right? Um, we, we probably don't have too much time to talk about, about pricing other than to say, like, I always just ask them point blank, like, do you have a budget in mind? Um, you know, and, and that I think is, is really, really helpful because you don't want to be guessing like on the order of magnitude of what they're looking to spend. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you mind if we like, yeah, if I talk a little bit more about my experience with those? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so it's interesting. A lot of those things you're saying about like trying to understand the value you're providing and trying to solve a specific business goal. That's actually the mentality that I've had going into these conversations. but. Based on what you're saying, it kind of seems like I I didn't maybe steer things as strongly in that direction. And so I end up being perceived more as an engineer than a partner. And so um, I will find later on with these clients, I'm often like trying to convince them that what they're trying to tell me to develop doesn't make sense. You know, it's like, I can see what, I know what your business goals are because we had this conversation and you told me, and I know your current state of things. Why are you, you know, like, but, but it seems like they're maybe viewing and respecting my engineering decisions, but not my business decisions. And, you know, based on you saying that, it sounds like that probably started at the very beginning in my conversations with them. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Um, I think that we we all kind of know inherently that we forget it, that like first impressions are everything, right? And that once someone has formed an impression, uh, an impression of you, it's incredibly hard to change the way that they think about you. Um, yeah. And that means like you need to set that tone at the beginning that you are a partner, that you're, you know, co-designing the project, that you're helping them solve their business goals, not just a code monkey. Right. Um, you're still going to be coding. Right. Yeah. Um, but but that's your you know, that's just your medium. Um, the, the art is helping them solve that business goal. Um, so, you know, you want to have a sales process that's structured and, and a list of things that you do, um, you know, on every single sales call to make sure that 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 tone is set and you set those expectations. Right? Yeah. Um, that and that helps you probably related to my my positioning then as well right like yeah that that's also part of the first impressions right exactly and i i and to to a point where i literally say to clients like um you know I, if you're looking for any old developer to just ship code there's probably people out there who are, who are yeah. cheaper and i'm happy <laughs> to like make an introduction if yes. on the other hand you want somebody who's going to help you hit this business goal um, because they understand the code, but they also understand, you know, the business and um, and that kind of thing. I'm the right person, and I'm happy to speak to some results I've gotten for other clients. Um, mm-hmm. You know, to to, to mm-hmm. illustrate that, right? Um, but you know that that I think carries forward in your pricing and even the way you do pricing, right? Um, I I tend to literally ask clients what their budget is, um, and then and then negotiate on scope more than I negotiate on budget. Right. And say, like, okay, I yes. know what your business goal was. Yeah. Right. I, I now know what your budget is. Right. This is what I could do for this um, amount of money. You know, if you want all of the things you laid out, it might be a little bit more, but like, here's my advice on what I think is most valuable. And, and you definitely need to do here are the things that I think are like nice to have. And, you know, frankly, this thing's not going to move the needle at all. Um, so, you know, unless there's a 
another business goal that we didn't really talk about, we may not need to actually do this. Um, and the good clients actually appreciate that, right? Yeah. Um, because you're helping them make an informed business decision. Um, I also, you know, tend to inform clients um, on on the first, you know, call or, or when pricing comes up about the range of prices they're likely to see. Um, you know, if they talk to, to other freelancers or agencies and what they will likely get for that amount of money. Mm. Um, that's, you know, not only very disarming, but it's also, it's, it's actively helpful. And again, I love that. You that's, as a partner. Yes. Yes. That's brilliant. And yeah. And, and then like you sort of sidestep that whole issue of like, well, somebody else did it for me for less or I could, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> right. Right. And, and you want to, you want to inform them, right? Like some, right. It's not about answer. trying to like get more money out of them. It's just that you're providing a different value than that person right. provided potentially. Right. And if a client's a penny pincher, like you can still make money off of them. Right. And there's, and there's different ways to do it. Right. One of them might be to, to partner with another freelancer who's like, you know, a little bit less, less senior, yeah. a little less business oriented and say like, all right, I'm going to refer you to this person because they, they're a great fit. They're absolutely fantastic. And, and they can help you do your project at this price point um, and get a referral fee from that other freelancer. Right. So there's, there's ways to kind of, um, to, to handle this. Um, but, but honestly, like, I think the most important thing is to just be a good steward for your clients. Yeah. Um, that reputation gets around. I've had clients who I've, I've referred to, to other freelancers or agencies, you know, totally without a referral fee or anything like that, come back to me, you know, months or years later and say like, okay, now we're ready for you. Um, yeah. So That's yeah, awesome. I, I, yeah. I want to make sure that I answer your, your question about, um, about the, um, you know, knowing when a project is going to, going to actually end. Cause this is kind of a long, a long, slow build to that. Um, but once you've, once you've kind of done all of that stuff, right, you start to converge on, um, you know, a proposal and a statement of work, right. And, and that might happen, you know, in, in one call, it might take several calls where you, you, know, you kind of work out some of the details. Um, but like once they've kind of accepted, like, okay, like, you know, I want, I had this initial list of, of 50 things in mind, you know, you suggested that these 25 are the most important and also that we add this, you know, 51st thing, right? Um, let's do this. I'm excited about this at this price point and that kind of thing. Um, you want to make sure you put together a really clear proposal um, and ultimately a statement of work, right? And that statement of work should have, um, you know, the scope. Um, the timeline, what's required of you, like the deliverables you're going to pr produce, but also what's required of them, right? These are the things that the company has to provide. Um, this is mm. how much they're going to pay and when, right? This much up front, yeah. this much, you know, at the end. Um, this is how long the project's going to last. Um, and if it's um, a retainer, right, um, this is the notice period. Right. I also tend to include there like this is the you know max number of calls that we can have a week, right? Like yeah. this is how we're gonna communicate, right? You just communicate that stuff up front, right? Because if they want more calls or more conversations, like that's okay. You just want to make sure you account for it and, and charge them for it. Right. Yeah. And so it sounds like um what's happened with you, right, is is maybe that you haven't been clear enough in your kind of statements of work. Um, or when, Definitely. Yeah. when you finish your first, 
um, you know, your kind of first project, right? And the vast majority of um, clients who you're going to have a retainer with don't start off as retainers, right? They start off as a one-off project and kind of transition in, right? Yeah. So when you transition, you want to make sure that you sign a retainer agreement with them, which, which is effectively just a statement of work that says, you know, this is going to continue automatically and, unless you, you know, say no, right? Um, and and make sure you include, like, here's how much notice you have to give. Um, and so usually, like, I do 30 days notice um, in both directions. That way, they're not yeah. surprised, right. um, yeah. you know, and scrambling to find someone. And I'm not surprised and scrambling to find more work. Um, yeah. And, and when you do that, right, you are super informed about, like, the health of your business. And, um, you know, you know with plenty of time that you need to find another client. Um, you know, if something changes. That makes a lot of sense. It's definitely not something I've done. I think I think it's all been wrapped up in the sort of mentality of like, I feel like I just don't like doing all the work around getting the right. work. And so I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got work. I'll just like go with the flow. But I think, you know, sort of even at a higher level, maybe a bigger summary of everything we've been talking about is like goes back to one of those goals I had at the beginning, which was like, I wanted to have more control over my work. And it sounds to me like a lot of what you're saying is that is not only like kind of a goal of mine, but that actually is kind of the core of a lot of this is if I in going into all of these situations with the mentality of like, hey, I'm I'm designing this. I'm I'm the one creating this. I'm the one setting the the boundaries. I'm the one doing this. You're going to be in a lot better position than going into it where the client is the one doing everything. And I think even like when you look at Upwork versus the type of work we've been talking about, that's like kind of the main difference is like, in my mind, at least those like lower value things are more of like the client really is the one fully in control of everything. And you're just like, yeah, give me a few pennies here to like get the work done type of thing. Is that, is that kind of makes yeah, sense? It's like a higher exactly level. Summary. Right. Yeah, that is exactly right. And, and I'm glad you brought that up work example out because, um, up because that's exactly what I mean by like not outsourcing your marketing and your sales, ah, right? Okay. Um, like Upwork controls um, for, for better or worse, right? The marketing and sales process when you're on Upwork, right? Yes. Um, they control yeah. how you find projects, who you meet, how you submit proposals. They've got a, a, a fairly structured, which is a good thing, um, sales process and steps you need to go through, but it's their sales process and their steps, not yours. Right. Um, and and I think you really want to own your marketing, your sales, because it's the lifeblood of your business. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, but that doesn't mean just wing it. Right. Um, it means, you know, set a process for yourself and systematically test and improve that process every time. Right. Um, and, and when you talk about wanting to, like, control your own destiny or have kind of more agency in your career. Right. Like that's super common. It's one of the biggest motivations um, yeah. that people have for freelancing because they don't feel like they get that in a full-time job. And, it's, yeah. and, and for the most part, they typically don't. Um, the way to do that isn't just to wing it, right? If you want to you yeah. control something, it means, you know, plan it, test it, improve it. 
um, and, and be methodical about it, right? Approach it the way you would approach, uh, you know, a, a coding project. Right? Yes, I was just yeah, going to say so, that. Uh, yes, you're right. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and build it, you know, right, like, right unit tests, if you will, right? Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you would do to build a high quality piece of software. Right. Um, you're doing this and, and you you're, design it then too, right? Like you're not coming exactly. into it being like, I'm going to let the computer tell me how to do this. You know, like you're coming in being like, no, I know this is the way to structure this to make it higher quality code. And I'm going to do that. Yeah. Exactly. And that's, and that's what, you know, kind of I provide, um, in the free course and the resources on freelance, freelancegps.com and, and, you know, in, in my coaching is that structure and that knowledge of like, here's what works, right? Um, here, here are the pitfalls you want to avoid, right? And it's the same thing you would do if you were learning, you know, a new language or a new framework, right? Like you go and you get um, get that information from people who are who have done it before, so that you can start to learn how to apply it in your own life. Yeah, that. Yeah, that sounds excellent. <laughs> yeah, I. I guess at this point, um, we can probably start wrapping things up. Um, this was super enlightening to me, you know, and like uh, just to sort of summarize my viewpoint of it is like, I think my big takeaway is that I set out with, like I said, this goal to sort of take more charge, but I only partially did it. And I think something that I would look at changing is being a lot more intentional about it. Um, everything from the marketing and sales to the actual implementation. Um, so yeah, I really appreciate you uh, digging into to a bit of my uh, <laughs> experience and providing this feedback. Is there anything else you'd like to cover or discuss? Yeah, um, I think you know just just ways you can find me. Obviously, I'm um, you know I'm on freelancegps.com. Um, you know, you can find me on Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, I love talking to other developers and, and freelancers. So, um, don't hesitate to reach out. I answer every email personally. Um, you know, when, you know, you'll get some emails from me if you sign up for the course that, that ask questions. I actually want the answers. Um, you know, no and, way. And, That's awesome, uh, actually. <laughs> so, way yeah. people are just like, oh, it's like all automated. And you're like, well, I don't really care that you know <laughs> yeah, totally totally and and um you know i do free strategy sessions um with with anybody who signs up for the free course um and wants to do one um so you know if you're um you know a freelancer or interested in becoming a freelancer and you've got challenges um or questions or you're not sure how to start um you know we can we can chat um and and i'd be psyched psyched to help you out um you know this is a big goal of mine is just helping other developers and designers and tech folks succeed at freelancing because it's been just so transformational for my life um and so it's it's something i'm hugely passionate about and um you know why why i'm putting so so much time into building freelance gps while i'm while i'm also still serving you know business clients and, and doing a consulting thing yeah, that's fantastic. Like I said earlier, giving back like that is is really a tremendous benefit to everyone. I, I think that's awesome. So uh, like you said, the the best place to, to find you would be freelancegps.com. Is that right? Yep, that's exactly right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Tim. And thank you everyone else who's been listening for joining us. I 
had a, a great time and I, I really learned a lot. And I just want to um, thank you, Tim, for your time and your expertise and, and for, uh, you know, setting me, you know, in the right direction here. <laughs> and I hope it's been useful to, to everyone else listening as well. And uh, yeah, thank you all for, for joining us. And I, I hope you all have a fantastic uh, rest of your day. Bye.